Well, we come to week three of our door series, and as I shared with you in the last couple of weeks, our key verse for this series is found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It simply says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. As we have uh, discussed, this verse is part of a larger dialogue between Jesus and the church of Laodicea. And it's found, obviously, in the book of, of Revelation, but there's actually several churches that he's talking to. But Laodicea receives more of a correction letter uh, than a letter of support and encouragement. And it's definitely something that we can learn with all of those letters to all of those churches, but especially with Laodicea. And what we have found is that there are three doors there in this conversation between Jesus and the church of Laodicea. Um, uh, first of all, there's a door of self-sufficiency. The Laodiceans were known to depend on their wealth, their abilities, and their leadership. This dependency on themselves penetrated all the way into uh, the church and uh, to the point to where they really didn't have a need for God to supply their, uh, their needs and for God to be uh, the provider. And uh, so they really saw this relationship uh, between um, them and Jesus as more of a dire emergency. I will only open this door in case I need something. But other than that, I'm good. I've got things in control. Uh, you know, Jesus wants you to go help out somebody else. We're good. But Jesus wants to be the provider of all of our needs. And so we look at that today. Our, do, we, uh, do we approach our Christianity like that to where we, we don't open the door every day and invite Jesus in into our conversations uh, to be our provider? And then ultimately, there are people in this world that they choose not to open the door initially to salvation. Jesus is knocking on the door of their heart and they refuse to open because they feel like they've got their life together. So we also see door number two in this letter to the Laodiceans and this door is a door of shame. Uh, the city of Laodicea was known for their textile industry. They would make uh, wonderful garments uh, made of wool. But what Jesus is saying, I would rather clothe you um, and, and robes of white uh, symbolizing uh, righteousness and to cover their sin and to cover their shame like only Jesus can. But the Laodiceans um, uh, were, were, uh, had a lifestyle of, of shame. And just like Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve in, who hid in the Garden of Eden whenever they realized that they were naked and they were uh, ashamed they, they hid from the Lord. Um, God wanted to make uh, new garments for them to hide their shame. We often do the same thing. People don't come to Christ because they don't want to see, uh, for Jesus to see what is behind that door, their door, what's inside, all the shame. And some of that shame and, and, and guilt is something that, that happens to us that, that is not our fault. Maybe something that's, that, that others have done to us. Or maybe it is some things we've done in our life. But whatever it is, whatever sin, whatever shame, many people don't open that second door because they don't want to be exposed. They don't want their, their shame exposed. We also see in um, 
this letter to the Laodiceans, the door of spiritual blindness. And this will be our focus for today on door number three. In, in Laodicea, there was actually, uh, biblical scholars tell us there was a medical school where they, have, uh, they had created this eye ointment uh, to help with, uh, with some eye diseases and to help cure some of the blindness um, of the people in that region. And but Jesus is saying in that letter of Laodicea, I, I, I want to, um, to help you with your blindness, your spiritual blindness. Uh, I can be the ult the ultimate ointment that can um, that can cure your spiritual blindness, so where you can see the lukewarm life that you are leading. And so Jesus longs to help with our spiritual blindness. And as we focus on door three in today's message, I want us to look at an account where Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus healed many blind people in, in, in God's word, and, and I'm sure many others that aren't even written in God's word. But this particular passage shows some interesting things about uh, blind skepticism. And as we turn to God's word, we're going to be in John chapter nine in the book of john chapter nine now I'm, I'm gonna let you know we are going to read the entire chapter and so it's very important that we understand this um this story and so as you as you join with me uh john chapter nine beginning with verse one as he went along he saw a man blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud, mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means sent, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to uh, Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and there, then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to him, they brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. I, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Is this man, if this man were not from God, he could not do anything or he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So there's a few things that unpack in this chapter and this encounter with Jesus and this, and this blind man. There are two types of blindness in this particular story, physical blindness and spiritual blindness. The, um, so if we look at the spiritual blindness first, we're gonna take a look at the latter half of the story and we're gonna to look to see what the Pharisees um, showed with their spiritual blindness. So what keeps someone in a spiritual blindness? And again, door number three is blocked. It's a skeptic. It's blocked to anything that remotely um, points to Jesus. Uh, people who are spiritually blind, who could care less about Jesus. There are millions of people in this world who live as a skeptic to Christianity. And we're gonna see an example here of people who were skeptics. So what does that look like? What does a skeptic look like? What does a person who is spiritually blind look like? Well, number one, they question the proof. They question the proof. Blind skeptics question the life change in a person. Some people who knew this, this formerly blind man and some religious skeptics questioned the proof that Jesus healed. The proof was right there in front of them, yet they could not see. They even went to the point of questioning if this was even the same man or an imposter. Even after 
hearing and seeing the proof, they continually questioned as to get the answer to fit their certain narrative. But they never received the answer they wanted. You know, I've seen this response uh, to, uh, to family members of, of people who have surrendered their life to Jesus. They, uh, they question their decision. They question if this, was, this, if this was real. People who question the proof rarely come to Jesus because of their lack of faith. It takes faith to believe. And let me tell you something. For those who have accepted Christ either recently or, or early in life, know this, there will come a time, and some people may have experienced this, where people will question your changed life. They will. They are skeptics. And they will, change, they, will, they will question if there was really a change that was brought to you. Don't listen to them. Just keep moving towards Jesus. So, um, so a skeptic will, will question the proof. And another thing we see here in this passage is that a skeptic will value traditions over truth. They will value traditions over truth. The teachers of the law kept focusing on the traditions that Jesus ignored rather than the change he brought forth. They questioned anyone who broke away from the, the religious regulations of keeping the Sabbath. It was so much about the Sabbath and their, and their rules. The command to obey the Sabbath is simply not to, not to work and, to, and just to keep it holy. But the religious leaders classified healing as work along with many other things. But Jesus stated in Mark chapter 2 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The religious skeptics got this principle backward over the years. They valued tradition over truth. They valued their traditions over truth. That's what a skeptic does. We see this um, from religious people today who have such a, a firm hold of man-made religious traditions that they don't see the truth of what God is trying to do around them. They're fo so focused on the things that they hold dear. I personally have experienced this over the years as a worship leader, as a worship pastor before I planted Lake Point Church. I, um, in, in, in every church um, that I've been in, there have been um, these, these wars about uh, what kind of music. For those of you maybe who've been a, a believer for a while, do you, do you remember the, the, the battle between hymns and choruses? We, it, it's, it's kind of silly now, but back in the day, it's, it's something that a lot of churches really wrestled over and battled with. Why? Because they held on to certain uh, traditions that we've got to sing certain types of songs and not other types of songs. Now, the good thing about Lake Point Church is that we've never really fought this battle because new churches don't really have old traditions. But there are hundreds of dying churches closing their doors because they are filled with religious skeptics who valued their traditional ways of ministry over the truth 
that Jesus was bringing a fresh wave of revival and methods of how to reach the world with the gospel. The only thing this uh, skepticism does be, between uh, religious people and churches is it, it just breeds more skeptics in our world. People see, see us how we, we uh, react to certain things and they're skeptic. They, they don't, they don't um, wanna believe. <laughs> they, they don't see a value in our Christianity. So a skeptic is someone who not only questions the proof, but they value traditions over the truth. So we have two types of blindness, spiritual blindness in this story, but we also have physical blindness. Physical blindness is used as a metaphor for the sin in our lives. Much like the man who was blind since birth, we are all born into sin. We're all born blind, so to speak. But then comes Jesus who knocks on the door of our hearts. How do we move from being spiritually blind to seeing the light of Jesus in our life? We simply open the door when he knocks. What does that look like? What does it look like to open the door and to accept Jesus as, as, we, are, uh, as we are blind spiritually? Well, this blind man who was physically blind shows us how to do that in this passage. So we first see the man's hum humility. We see the man's humility. So Jesus, Jesus makes a, a, a loogie, spits him in the ground, in the dirt, probably has to do it several times because he's making mud packs. And he gets in the dirt and he, he has to mix it up on the, on the dirt and, and then he takes it in his hand and then he smears it over the guy's eyes. And so I can imagine the, the, the crowd of people that are standing around as this man who, who can't really see what's going on but he hears Jesus hawk a loogie and spit and, and he's doing something. And, and I'm sure that the crowd is snickering uh, to some degree of what's going on. And they're questioning this. And then Jesus takes this and he puts it on this man's eyes. Now what's amazing about this man that he, he does nothing in this process. He's not backing away from Jesus. He's not questioning him. He's not removing the mud from his eyes. He stands there in complete trust and humility. We see this from the man. Pride never gets in the way of Jesus healing his blindness. Pride never gets in the way of Jesus healing his blindness. In order for you to move from being blind to your sin, you must not let pride get in the way. It should not matter what your friends or your family think. You will never see the, the, the results of freedom unless you lay aside your pride. We must lay aside our pride. We must come before him in complete trust, in complete humility before God, just like this man did. So we see this man act in humility. The second thing we see this man is we see him in obedience. 
we see him in obedience. Jesus told him to go wash his eyes in the pool of uh, Siloam. There was nothing magical about this, this body of water, this, this pool of water. It would seem silly for this man to just go wash his, his uh, eyes in this pool. But Jesus really wanted to see his obedience. He wanted to see, well, first of all, he, he needed to get his, his, the mud off his eyes. But Jesus wanted to see this man's obedience to go to the water and wash his eyes out of faith in front of people. You know, this sounds a lot like our sacrament of baptism. It sounds a lot like our sacrament of baptism. After receiving Jesus with trust and a humble heart like this, this man did with, with what Jesus was doing, after we received Jesus, we followed up with obedience to baptism. The purpose of baptism is to show others that we were once spiritually blind, but now we can see. You know, Jesus simply wanted to do the same thing. He wanted this man to do the same thing, to show others, I was once blind, but now I can see. That's what baptism is. And as we accept Christ, the next natural step is obedience to baptism and to show others. I was blind, but now I can see. The third thing we see in this man in this encounter with Jesus is the man's testimony. He was questioned by skeptics by his, uh, in his neighborhood, but he told the story. He was brought before the teachers of the law and questioned by the skeptics. He told his story. His family was threatened and harassed by the Pharisees, but he still told his story. And back in verse 25, it even says this, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. That was simply his testimony. It was very simple. And it's interesting to note that each time he was questioned. As you, as you read through this again, I want you to take note. Each time he was questioned, his testimony got stronger and stronger every single time. You know, I believe that happens with us. The more that you share your story and what Jesus did in your life and how he set you free, the stronger your testimony gets with each and every encounter you have with people. You know, this, this story, this testimony is unique to that man. You know, J Jesus, there's many other encounters and stories of Jesus healing blind people. Did you know that every single moment that Jesus heals someone blind, he does something different? He does something different. You know why? Because it's unique to that person. And when Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, and you open that door, he's gonna do something in your heart and your life that is unique to you. That's why your testimony, your story is unique. Your story is special, just like this man's story. So share it, go and share it. You don't need to preach a sermon, just tell your story. So how does 
This man moved from, from blindness to receiving his sight. It's the same way that we receive um, uh, salvation from our spiritual blindness, humility, obedience. Then he shares his testimony. And then the next thing is he worships the Christ. We see this. If you look down to verse 38, we, we, uh, we see what he does. And when, when you trust in Jesus and you humbly accept him as Lord and Savior and you follow that up with obedience and you're telling people about what Jesus has done in your life, you, have, you want to just explode from the inside out with worship to what Jesus has done in your life. Whether it be a personal worship or corporate gatherings together of worship, that is, it is a natural response of what Jesus has done. Worship is the way we show our response to all that Jesus has done in our life. That's why worship is so important. This, this blind man fell at the feet of Jesus when he realized, because he had, he didn't see Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told him to go wash wash his eyes off of the pool, then he could see. He went home, Jesus wasn't around, but later after all the questioning and sharing this testimony and his story, he saw Jesus later, and when he finally saw the eyes of Jesus face to face of his Savior, he worshiped him. Y'all, our natural response is to worship Jesus. When we, when we go through this door, when we remove the planks that are guarding the door, the planks of skepticism and the planks of spiritual blindness, when we remove those and walk through those doors and we respond to Jesus knocking on the door, we ultimately want to worship Jesus. But it starts with this. It starts with humility. It starts with humility, opening the door. And it goes into obedience to walk in that obedience, to follow up and tell others about your new life and to share that with the believer's baptism. And then to tell others your story. I know your story may be one sentence just like this blind man. I was blind, now I can see. That's my story. I don't know much of that, but I, I used to be this person, now I'm this. I don't know exactly how, but Jesus is the one responsible but your story will expand. Your story is still being written. Your story is still, is still writing. And if you have not accepted Christ as Savior, your story is waiting to be written. All you gotta do is lay down your pride, walk in obedience, share your story, and then your response is, is a life of worship to Him. As we, uh, as we close, I, uh, I want you to notice something. At the beginning of the story, did you notice that the blind man did not go to Jesus first? The blind man did not go to Jesus first. It was Jesus who approached him. It's the same way with us. Now, Jesus isn't going to knock down your door, but Jesus is simply going to knock on the door of your heart. He could be doing that right now. He could be talking to you. He could be stirring inside of you something. Maybe, maybe there's an emptiness 
that is longing to be filled. Maybe someone has invited you to watch this video or to come to church and you've been searching for something. And, and it's that invitation by someone else, by a friend. That's, that's how Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. He's just simply getting your attention. Maybe it could be a circumstance in your life, good or bad. Oftentimes, negative um, situations in our life can make us think, all right, what, what, what am I missing? What do I need? Well, Jesus is who you need. Jesus is who we all need. So, will you open that door today? Will you open the door? You know, there's, there's a freedom waiting for you. There's a freedom waiting for you to, to run in the fields of grace just beyond this door. The fields of grace are waiting for you to run free. Will you open this door? Lay down your pride. He's knocking. Can you hear him? If you want to accept Christ as Savior, it just takes saying a prayer. So just where you're at right now, if you just bow your head, close your eyes, and you can just say a simple prayer like this. Say, Father, I believe you sent Jesus for me. Jesus, I know you're knocking on my heart. I'm ready to open the door. I'm ready to lay down my pride. I'm ready to let you come inside to see who I really am. Help me to believe. Help me to walk in obedience. Please forgive me my sin. Come be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to hear about it. You could send me an email pastor at lakepointonline.com and I'd love to follow up with that and get you walking uh, on your uh, spiritual walk. But for those who have accepted Christ as Savior, I want to let you know something. Even though opening the door, the initial opening of the door of salvation is a one-time experience, we have this process of sanctification which is basically ultimately coming like Christ every day of our lives. And what that looks like is this, we're opening the door every single day. It's easy to become a skeptic. It's easy to have spiritual blindness in this world. Just the distractions alone in this world can cause uh, somewhat of a spiritual blindness. So I'd encourage you to get right with the Lord Open up that door every day. Invite him in to your life every day and ask him to come in. Just like he says in Revelation chapter 320, just come in and have fellowship with you. We, uh, we love you. We'll, we will be back um, next week and uh, Lord willing, and uh, we will be back at Red Top Middle School. Just wanted to let you know that in two weeks uh, from today, we have Easter on April 4th. I would encourage you, invite some friends to join you for Easter. 11 o'clock on that Sunday at Red Top Middle School. Start inviting your friends now. We're gonna be there. It's gonna be great. We'd love to see you. Um, and if you have any questions or any prayer requests, reach out to me. Love you guys. 
We'll see you back next week.